morning, everyone. Wednesday, the 25th of May. Marcus, you're on overnight for us this morning. What have you got? I certainly am, Ben. And we're doing okay today. We're up 28 points or something. Futures were up eight. Dow Jones was up 48. The notable thing there was at one point it was down 500 points. So there's still a fair bit of volatility going on. And there are a few economic numbers which weren't that flash, like new home sales down 16%. Fourth month on the trot, they've fallen. And we've got a whole bunch of GDP downgrades over the last couple of weeks and UBS and JP Morgan downgraded Chinese GDP overnight. But the main event overnight was the NASDAQ down 2.35%, now oversold on a weekly chart, which is rare. And of course, the reason why is Snap had results and the share price down 43%, which took Facebook or Meta down 7.6%, Interest down 23%, Twitter down 5%, Google or Alphabet down 5% as well. And it's all to do with tech. And if you look at the charts of the NASDAQ, as I say, heavily oversold, led the rest of the market down, and our market really behaving quite well by comparison. So this really is a tech thing. It's set up for a bounce. I'll get to that in the strategy stuff. The other thing some of you might have noticed today, if you've got a not very clever share price provider, I think Comsec even screw this up, is BHP has gone exits Woodside merger today. Day. And Woodside, by the way, has changed its code from WPL to WDS. And the share prices have been adjusted for that split off. On that basis, BHP is up about 2%. But you'll find that some of the lazy or not so good uh, share price providers or platforms have got the share price down 9% today because they didn't adjust yesterday's share price, which they're supposed to do. And anyone who has a professional ASX feed will see BHP quite happily trading higher today and Woodside up as well. So that has created a little bit of value for BHP shareholders today. Otherwise, interest rates, remember, they were over 3% recently. US 10-year bond yield now 2.75. Otherwise, not too much going on. RBA had a speech this morning and was talking about slower population growth being permanent in Australia. We've got FOMC minutes tonight. And the other observation I'd make is the election has been almost irrelevant to the share market so far. Very good. Thank you, Marcus. Tom, any of that having much of an impact in our local market today? Thank you, Ben. Yes, look, I'll just fill in the gaps that Marcus missed out on. He covered most of the exciting stuff that's happening this morning, re-BHP and Woodside. But we do have miners and consumer staples outperforming. Tech is weighing on the market. Fisher and Paykel have full-year results. An interesting point from their release, they've sold 10 years worth of hospital hardware in the last two years thanks to COVID. So the issue for them is, is that growth likely to continue? Probably not. And they didn't have any guidance on the back of that. Bigger Cheese looking to sell one Vegemite way in Port Melbourne. And BGH Capital has upped its offer for Virtus Health and VRT. Virtus Health is now waiting on Capvest to see if it plans to improve its offer. So that bidding war continuing. As Marcus said, we did have an RBA speech from Assistant Governor Lucy Ellis this morning, although not expected to move the needle too much. And in the US, FOMC minutes from 
the May 4th meeting round out the day. Thank you, Ben. Very good. Thank you, Thomas. Leighton, anything much from the brokers this morning? Thank you, Ben. Just having a look at Lottery Corporation this morning. They were part of that demerger with Tab Corp yesterday and they listed at $4.61. They closed up around $4.70. Morgan Stanley has said that the demerger is a catalyst for unlocking value and Morgan Stanley and Macquarie both have initiated coverage overweight with an average target price of $5.08, which implies an 8% upside. And also Pilbara Minerals, their realised sale price exceeded Macquarie's price expectations by 9%. And the broker notes that lithium carbonate, lithium hydroxide and spodumene are all trading above short, medium and long-term forecasts. And its spot pricing could drive earnings well above Macquarie's forecasts through to 2025. Now the broker has retained its outperform recommendation and target price of $4, which implies a 38% upside. Thank you, Ben. Good stuff. Thank you. Leighton. Henry, what are you up to today? I'm just writing today about, I guess, Snap, which as an old person, I still struggle to get my head around a message service that disappears after you've read it and how you can advertise and create revenue from that. And whether that is the canary in the coal mine for the US economy or whether it is just a problem which Facebook or Meta has alluded to in their last announcement, which is the Apple privacy settings have really damaged a lot of these social media companies. And I don't know if uh, you guys are the same, but the number of ads that appear in my social media feeds these days, which have absolutely nothing to do with any of my interests, is quite remarkable given that it used to be so targeted. So I think some of Snap's problems are because of that. So just a bit of a summation of where the US is. It's a bit of a hodgepodge at the moment, but also uh, looking at some of the things driving our market. Still like the commodities thing. And as Leighton was talking about yesterday, that Pilbara, the BMX Bandit auction was last night and, and a pretty good, strong result from them. I think Macquarie, if I could be mistaken here, but if you put in spot prices into uh, some of these lithium companies, the upside is absolutely crazy stuff. I still like the commodity space, especially given where inflation is at the moment. Hard to believe that the Germans have 7.1% inflation and the ECB is just thinking about going from negative to neutral rates, just thinking about it at the moment. So uh, clearly there's lots at play at the moment, but our market being commodity-based is going to outperform and has been outperforming. And even today, we're of course seeing that. Just an aside, last night, I also did on the couch session with the CEO of a uranium company uh, listed in Australia. I won't say which one, but it is one of the, the bigger explorers come near producers, a couple of projects, South Australia and Northern Territory. Also, luckily for me, potentially, they have a project in Italy, uh, Northern Italy. So I'm, I'm thinking about a bit of a site visit for some tax deductions there later this year. Also, just a heads up, doing Equity Mates tomorrow. So I'm going to be actually doing it in person in the city. They've had 130 comments of stocks they want analysed in 20 minutes. That's you can manage that, fun. Henry. What's that? You can manage that. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to get it boiled down to about the 20 most popular, but I don't know how much um, notice I'm going to get, but it could be quite fun. I don't think anything can be much harder than the 100 questions in 100 minutes you do on Ask an Analyst. So I think you're well prepared. <laughs> Yeah, but they're my people. They're my peeps. You know, they're people that I know and interact with. So I kind of know vaguely what stocks they're going to talk about. These ones are all you youngsters and they're going to be very left. I'm sure the question, the number one question will, will be, when do I buy Tesla? Are you prepared for that one? Oh, look, I, I can tell you how to answer all those questions, Henry. You get a little laptop in front of you with a charting package. And uh, just as half those commentators do, you bring a chart up and then talk knowledgeably about where it's been and where 
where it's going. So. You've discovered my thing. Even though, the other one... even though you've never heard of it. It's always staggered <laughs> me that those people go on and pretend they know about stocks they've only just heard of anyway. And that's, but... that's what I do. The other great uh, way of doing it, of course, is the coin toss. I was thinking maybe an eight ball. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good idea. But I did a course at UBS Phillips and Drew, which was how to sell financial products. And it told you that the reality is you don't know what the future is for a product. So if you're selling a managed fund, you don't know what the returns are going to be. But if you told people that you don't know what the returns are going to be, you'd never sell any product. But if you tell them confidently that it's 9% return for the next 10 years, and that if you compound that, you'll triple your money, then you'll sell product. So confidence sells was the point. And so if you can sit with your laptop and confidently say something rather than the truth is no one really knows, then you will get traction. And that's what people do. And that's what finance is about. It's 99% marketing. It's saying things confidently about stocks that will get more traction, sell more newsletters. And that's what people do. The issue is now, if you say confidently that something will go up at 9% and you'll triple your money, you'll get a knock on the door from ASIC about two weeks later. Well, no, you won't because 9% is the average statistic for everything going back in history ever to do with finance, including what the property market goes up every year and the stock market. So there's good defense for that. And ASIC have got way too much to worry about. There's so many other things. Without worrying about moment. people saying the market goes up 9% per annum, they'll be chasing themselves <laughs> all day. But anyway. You've got to look at the, the movement in Sayona Mining, which has absolutely cratered on massive volumes. And now today they're in suspense because they're doing a capital raise. I think mm. ASIC should be looking at that one. Interesting. Anyway, we shall move on. Thank you, Henry. Chris can't be with us today. He's preparing for his chart chat at midday, which is probably about the time that this is released. So if you were supposed to be there, get on your computer now and tune in. He's also got his chart of the day as Grange resources in the trading section today. So check that out as well. And Marcus, back to you for strategy. Strategy. I haven't yet finished the strategy piece, as you'll see, but probably has finished by the time people are listening to this. But I think the strategy call has to be the same. If you look at NASDAQ, which is the lead market at the moment for sentiment. If you look at the NASDAQ, it is just still cratering as of last night. It is oversold for the first time since the pandemic and prior to that since 2011 on a weekly chart. Very rare an index is oversold on RSI, which is not a technical instruction to go and buy it or anything. It's simply an observation that it's falling very rapidly at the moment, in which case you don't want to be buying it until it shows some signs of bottoming. So the strategy call has to be the same, which is that there's a buying opportunity coming, but it's not here yet or not here today anyway. Somebody emailed about log charts. When you look at charts over a long period of time and attempt to draw lines on charts and come to some sort of technical conclusion about a market going up or down or a stock going up or down, if you look over a long period of time, you're supposed to use a log chart. So just to satisfy one email, I have put in a log chart of the NASDAQ and a log chart of the ASX 200 in the strategy piece today. You can, you can have a look at those. But what it shows you is that since the GFC, which was the last seismic event, the markets, all, all the markets except ours, but particularly the NASDAQ, got way out of the top of its long, long-term log trading range and is now back in it, but is heading down. If it was to fall to the bottom of the trading range, it would fall about 10% from here, which is not too scary, I don't think. As far as our market's concerned, we didn't get overbought. We're at middle top of the trading range at the moment. RSI is 43 on a weekly chart. It's 
closer to oversold than overbought. Anyway, there's nothing scary, but I would also point out it's not at the bottom of the trading range, which is about 11% down from here. So sentiment could get worse if you were to believe, which I don't, lines on a chart and particularly a log chart. The other thing I've addressed today is I was reading or listening to Peter Lynch's books on Audible and Peter Lynch was making, as he's trying to filter stocks, he was making the point that one of the good filters is to have a look at companies that are doing share buybacks. Usually that's a sign of a company that has uh, done well, but at the same time, a company that doesn't have much imagination. And so it's the stalwart companies, as he calls them. And when you look at our share buyback announcements just this morning, companies like Telstra, Commonwealth Bank, Origin, Santos, all doing buybacks at the moment. And that provides you a list if you wanted to go and have a look at safe stocks, you might go and look at those because obviously their balance sheets are in good shape. And that was about that from me today. Very good. Lots of good stuff as always. And question of the day to finish, which is the Henry's question from the Facebook group this morning as well. What is your go-to sign of economic slowdown, Thomas? This one I came across the other day and it is an increase in my social media feeds of crypto scams. And I thought if they were doing well and their businesses were doing well, they wouldn't have to scam people. Scams. There are crypto scams. Oh, oh yes. yes. Isn't, isn't the whole thing about crypto is that it is a scam? <laughs> it's, just yeah. a, it's just a scam on a scam. If you ever get a message from someone that says, I just made $20,000 in crypto, click here to find out why. Do not click there. And Ben, I was joking about, is there a scam? <laughs> <laughs> Leighton. Uh, this is one that I've noticed recently, but I think it's also partly due to COVID. But all of the happy hours seem to disappear from all the pubs around. So You're Searching yeah. for one pub with a yeah, adequate I did, I happy did, hour. I did, find, I did find one good one on the weekend, but yeah. <laughs> There's inflation issue as well there, yeah. I think. Henry? Well, I put this question on Facebook and one of the, the responses was the number of uh, jet skis and quad bikes for sale on Gumtree in Western Australia, which is a fair thing. The suburb I living is proliferated by real estate agents. We have more real estate agents and coffee shops than anything else. And it would be good to see one or two of them close. But at the moment, they're still thriving. At least they seem to be thriving. So I guess one of the things I look out for is empty shops in uh, in my local suburb and places that close unexpectedly in the middle of the night and have the locks changed on them is always a sign that maybe things are slipping into recession as well. Yes, not a good sign when your locks are changed overnight. Marcus? That is actually a good indicator isn't it shops at the moment definitely because the, the covid hangover is is not being reversed very quickly i would say i would just tell you the story of the head of resources in corporate finance at patterson's back in 2007 who was on a boat of a ceo of a mining company racing over to rottnest island for that swim they do back which is a corporate event and he said there they were on this boat screaming across from Fremantle to Rottnest and a huge boat and they were overtaken by the CEO of another mining company with a load of stockbrokers on the back flicking B signs at them and then a helicopter came over with a bunch of other stockbrokers buzzing the two big boats as they went past and he was flicking bees and he said he stopped dead and he went he realized oh my god it doesn't get to look any better than this and he said he went down the front of the boat inside sold every stock he had because it couldn't get to look
look any better than that. And he was absolutely right because they were very close to the top of the resources boom at the time. And he, he was doing more corporate deals than Patsons did so many corporate deals. But that was a, a sign of the times. The other, the other sign of the top was in 2000. Stockbrokers never list, right? Stockbrokers are like accountants. They make terrible corporate companies because the partners are used to distributing all the money to themselves as salaries or bonuses before a shareholder ever gets to it. So you'd never really invest in a stockbroker, in my humble opinion. And a stockbroker would never bother listing because they don't want the transparency, the responsibility of other shareholders. And in 2007, three stockbrokers listed. And all of them went from $2 down to below 50 cents and a couple of them down to 10 cents. So if you see people in the financial markets selling their companies, you know, it's a bubble. And it was in 2007. Very good. I think mine would be kind of similar to a story you've told before, I think about Patterson's, where things were going so well, they bought the naming rights to the stadium. Right, Subiaco. Yeah, so my one is starting to see vacant sponsor spots on sports jerseys. And there's a couple of AFL clubs that have crypto exchanges across their back. And I reckon we might see some vacant spots coming up on those jerseys soon. You're right, that crypto ad's everywhere, isn't it? Crypto.com and eToro and stuff. Yeah, so very interesting. Thank you, guys. We'll wrap it up. See you tomorrow.